emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Verisage Institute colleague, Ed Kless. On today's show, folks, we're going to tackle subscription business model or subscription pricing. This is the third show we've done on this topic, Ed, where it's just been you and me. I know. It's it, it's sort of like a Greg Kite commercial. You just It just keeps coming back and... We play it over and over again. <laughs> I'm loaded for bear on this topic because it's just constantly evolving. You know that some there's a futurist out there by the name of Dan Burris and, who talks about hard trends and soft trends. And hard trends are just stuff that you can look out the window and see. And as I look out the window, this is all over the place. It, it is amazing the number of people who are adopting some kind of model around subscription, even if it's not necessarily called subscription. Yep. And so I, I wanted to do this show and we, as we talked about it, because I, I think Team Zoe from Zor and his subscribed weekly newsletter from February 8th dropped a time bomb. <laughs> he dropped it on the NFL. And I just, I, I, this was, it, this is mind bending to me because it's proof positive of Andy Grove's dictum that, you know, disruption is inherently not new technology. It's, it's new business models. And this proves that beyond a doubt. It really does. And I, I was blown away by this piece too. In fact, we both had talked about it, I guess, in a, just a conversation that you and I had dur during the week in between shows. And at some point we said, well, you know, we should do a show on that. And here we are because it, it, it is so in, intense. And, and it, the timing, I like what you said, time bomb, because that's exactly correct. He's proclaiming 2022, the last year of television. Well, there you go. There, yeah. There's the prediction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he starts by talking about the Super Bowl, which uh, my 49ers lost, but we'll put that aside. Uh, as being the 10th most watched Super Bowl of all time, the 11th most watched TV show ever. Is it still MASH, the finale of MASH that's way up there? I, I, I know that's in those lists too. Yeah, it? I'd have to look. I'll, I'll look that up during a break, but it, it, it might be. It might be. Although you have to think that that, that has to be have fallen off the list at this had point. At the time, it was number one. It, it I mean, was. I think, it and for a even, long time thereafter, I believe it held yeah. that spot. But it has probably has been a clip. Either way, he says in 2013 there are over a hundred million households with a traditional or cable uh, or satellite TV subscription. Today, it's around 85 million. So they go from around 100 million to 85 million, and it's sinking fast. ESPN is also losing subscribers, four and a half percent in the past year alone. And it's in 2022 that <laughs> the NFL's media deals are set to expire, hence the time bomb. Um, because one of the things that's keeping ESPN alive, of course, is, is NFL games. 
out of the top 50 telecasts on broadcast television this year, 47, 47 out of 50 were NFL games. And so team points out that ESPN, Fox, NBC, CBS, CBS, AT&T pay the NFL collective 5 billion a year for broadcast rights. And these things are renegotiated every seven years. Um, and he's, you know, he points out obviously Apple, Google, Hulu, Facebook, Disney, uh, already has about 29 million subscribers. Um, and he said the NFL could either just, they could just start their own streaming company, go out alone and do it on their own. And it's not so crazy of an idea, is it, Ed? It's it's not a crazy idea. In fact, I'm I'm thinking that this is going to to be even bigger and amongst all sports over time. What why wouldn't they? And and the other thing that I think this is we might start to see the breakup of is the individual teams wanting to be a part of the league and sharing the the the, the revenues from those those media. I mean, that's how they have survived, especially the small market teams for years. But this could have long far-ranging implications beyond just the television piece, but into the actual sport itself, where we might see teams start to disband because of it. That's fascinating. Because one of the things he points out is right now, the NFL doesn't know anything about its fans. It doesn't know what your favorite team is, whether you watch games in a bar or or if you're a season ticket holder, do you play uh, fantasy football? It doesn't know any of this stuff. And yet, if it entered into a relationship through subscription, it would be able to monetize probably even things that we can't even think of. That's correct. And what I, it is amazing that this the, the fall off that's happened specifically on ESPN. I don't know if you had a chance, Ron, but did you go to the the, the graphic that the, the the that the Twitter guy posted? Did you go to that and see oh, that? No, I didn't. I didn't. Okay. So, so it, 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 he posted a little Excel spreadsheet, right? And it starts back in the third quarter of 2016. So not that long ago where their, their churn rate was 2% for that quarter. And then it was pretty consistent at 2%, 2% jumps up to three in the second quarter of 2017, then stays pretty consistent and goes back down to like 1% in the fourth quarter of 18 and first quarter of 19. And then it just explodes fourth quarter of 19 and first quarter of 20 just (laughs) absolutely explodes. And I'm wondering what, you know, why that too, if there's, if there's anything that had a connection to, to that, to those quarters, and maybe it was different deals that different media have cut with, with, uh, with the cable companies as well. But I I don't know about you, Ron, I, I, I theoretically cut the cord about a year and a half ago and by cutting the cord, it's, it's an interesting expression because I really didn't. I still have internet service coming into the house through AT&T. Sure. sure. But I don't, I don't have their television service. And for about one-third the price per month, I moved over to YouTube TV and it, haven't looked back since. And, it, and it's, an, it's an amazing service because, you know, it's DVR in the cloud. There, there's, there's no cable box there's no there's no nothing it's just connection to the tv through my apple tv or in some cases you have a smart tv and it is a direct connection so i it's it's amazing that they, those services are still surviving i mean it's, it, and it's another play into subscription that 
even when those subscription services start to die, you know, my, my in-laws, let's say, and my mom, they're not going to cut the cable TV box. They don't want it. They don't want it. Uh, what do you mean? I have to learn this Apple TV stuff, right? right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there's a couple quotes in the article, Ed, that I just want to get out there because yeah. I, I think they're profound. One is from Disney CEO, Bob Iger, who said a few years you know, ago, so this is prior to the Disney Plus launch. He said, it's one thing to be as fortunate as we are to have Disney, ABC, ESPN, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, and Lucasfilms. Wow. Talk about, yeah, talk really, about a right? portfolio. But in today's world, it's almost not enough to have all that stuff unless you have access to your consumer who, because of technology, is providing you with incredible data to provide the consumer with a more customized and personalized experience that can be monetized better. And then, you know, Teen sums it up just beautifully. And we've been talking about this as well. And this kind of goes back to the point of, you know, value pricing 1.0 is pricing the customer. Value pricing 2.0 is pricing the relationship. Here's what Teen says. The future won't be about monetizing live content. It will be about monetizing fan relationships. Amen. That's it. That is it. And if people don't think that's a different business model, they're crazy. That's a totally and, different model. And here's the thing too, is that I, I, I have been a user of the MLB and a subscriber of the MLB package for mm. Mm, 10 plus years, because as many listeners may know, I grew up in New York and I'm a huge New York Mets fan. And the only way to watch Met games was to, to do it on the, the MLB TV app, which I'm extraordinarily pleased with. You know who, who hates the MLB TV app? And that is people in New York because half the, mo- most of the games are either blacked out mm-hmm. and it, unless, unless you have the both cable services and broadcast TV, you can't get more than half the games. Gotcha. So the ML, the MLB has had this in place, what he's talking about with the NFL for well, 15 years. Easy. Cause I I've been, I've been down here and I've had it since, since I moved down here. And they have not done a really good job with getting to know me as a customer. Mm-hmm. So, so it's really going to be interesting to see when, if what the NFL does, because say what you want about the NFL, but they have been much better from a, a, a branding and, and uh, I, I think getting, getting out uh, among the, 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 and advertising that kind of stuff. Then MLB and MLB has been very staid about this kind of thing. So right. It'll be interesting to see if the if the NFL can can really do that can can monetize that relationship, and they they're they're poising to do it. I I, I do have the NFL app on my phone, and it does allow you currently. And I think this is because of the agreements that they they have in place right now. You can watch the highlights to games after the fact, mm-hmm. but right. you can't watch any live games. Right, right. At all. You know, Ed, I, I mean, I, as, as much as I love this idea, I, the jury's still out, isn't it? I mean, the NFL may not do this. They may just go on, continue to do what they're doing. It's easier. Yeah, I can't believe they will. There's a cu- couple of different reasons for that. And one is the, the popularity of fantasy football, mm-hmm. which have you ever done that? No, Ron? I have haven't, done but I know it's okay. super popular. It's incredibly popular, and the one of the things that e- has even tied into that 
is a is a service that I think it was first started on Dish Network and then has gone to some of the other subscribers. Is the, is was was called the Red Zone. Have you heard about the Red Zone? Yep, yep, yep. Where they have it's it's all of the the games are are on at the same time, and then they they have this guy who just cuts in and switches you to whatever the most exciting play is that's happening currently. Hmm. And right. that's that's as a direct result of the this this idea of uh, of the the fantasy stuff, right? Mm-hmm. The the other thing that I think is going to happen in, in the next two years too is the emergence of virtual reality and the ability for them to put a, a three hundred sixty degree camera in at various places in this in in the in the stadia. Yep. And then you would pay you would have a subscription model based on Hey, which seat do you want? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities if they do it and if they do it right. But it just seems like, wow, what's this going to do to TV? So it's just going to be really interesting if teens' uh, prognostication here comes to uh, comes to bear. Yeah, I wouldn't be too surprised. It's some, it's some really good stuff. But, Ron, we're up against our first break. We want to remind you that you can get a hold of either one of us by sending an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. We do have the Patreon site up and running and going quite well. We've added a number of subscribers in the last month of the truth, so we would love for you to become a subscriber at our Patreon site, which entitles you to commercial-free versions of the Soul of Enterprise as well as our bonus episodes. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah, 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 Whatever. And four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and we are once again talking subscription on the soul of enterprise and we are proud to welcome back to the show a guest who has been on in another capacity uh, my friend justin lake welcome to the show 
Thank you. Well, the reason for this is a very serendipitous moment. Ron and I were preparing for this week's show and talking about how we have a lot more to say about subscription. And Justin, last time you were on, you were, were talking about the situation with your, your son and how you uh, worked around the, the challenges that the FDA puts up in front with the, the, the devices that your son uses to manage his diabetes. So before we jump yep. into this whole subscription and your real, uh, the, the real job that you do, um, yep. is, there, is there any kind of a quick update on that? There's actually a, a pretty big update. There's an organization called Tidepool who has begun the process of uh, taking the DIY technology that's been created and going through uh, a pretty robust process to mm -hmm. formalize it with the device manufacturers and the FDA. Oh, wow. So it, mm -hmm. this was something I, I think we may have talked about it briefly because there was um, a little bit of an effort to, to get this underway the last time we spoke about it. Uh, but they've made uh, quite a bit of progress. And, and the goal here is really to create essentially an interoperability standard between the multiple uh, device manufacturers and have that standard be approved by the F FDA so that all of the tools that, uh, that, you know, kind of the hacking community that we talked about last time have been building on their own can now be uh, semi, you know, officially sanctioned by the FDA and the device manufacturers. So, it's really interesting. I think there are a lot of, um, you know, in, important uh, decisions that are, are yet to be made by the manufacturers about how this is going to work because today the DIY community is able to be a little bit more aggressive with the treatment schedules <laughs> yeah. than what, what will become, you know, part of the approved uh, approach. But we're still very optimistic. Uh, we are using very similar technology right now, but we're just doing it in the you know, the unsanctioned version and we're having tremendous gotcha. success with my son's care. So it's, it is exciting to see that there's uh, this big community behind this and it seems like they're making some pretty smart decisions. So it's, uh, awesome. it's pretty exciting to see what could come of this in a year or two. Excellent. Awesome. Well, thank, thanks for the update. That's, that's great. And it's, it's, it's great that, uh, that your son's doing well. Hey, I, I wanted to, to, to bring you on though, to talk about your day job. Yep. And so if you wouldn't mind sharing with our audience that, you know, what, what is it you do company you work for just quick, quick snapshot, and then we'll set up the question that you had for me this week that Ron and I want to kind of talk about live with you. <laughs> yeah, sure thing. So our company is, we have two primary divisions, one that is building custom software for a large enterprise that deals with mobile workforces. The other side of our company has created a training platform for that same worker profile. And the platform is a way for us to deliver training content to the mobile workforces of the world to educate them on how to use all the new digital tools that they're being asked to use to do their jobs. And uh, that product is called Skillful. And the, uh, our method of delivery of this solution today, is just a quick overview, is that there is an underlying technology to this offer, but the way that we have packaged this offering to our clients is under a three-year subscription model that includes all of the professional services to implement the technology and to create and maintain the content that is required uh, to deliver a successful knowledge program to the workforce. 
So I'll, I'll leave it there and let you ask questions where you want to go from that point. And what, what I think is interesting about this, and, and what, perhaps the place to start is in, in your question, you were talking about the, the debating I- internally inside your organization between mm-hmm. the software as a service, SaaS, and then, of course, managed service subscription. And right. so the question I wanted to ask you, in your mind, what in your mind, what's the difference? Is there a difference? Yeah, that's great. Uh, I believe the difference or that when I asked the question, the way that I was interpreting the difference is that SaaS is just the technology platform itself. It is software as a service. So we are delivering this piece of software to you as the consumer of that. And you can then implement it and do with it what you choose uh, to the to the extent that you choose to do it, right? With the level of quality that you choose to implement it and all that. Where to me, a managed service is that the managed services provider may be taking that software. And in our case, we are using that software, obviously. And we are wrapping all of the necessary services around it so that rather than deliver you software and services as discrete things, we are Mm -hmm. delivering a particular set of results to you under the umbrella of that subscription. Okay. And it was interesting as I, as I was processing through, and I said this to Ron earlier when, when I was sharing with him a little bit of, of the story, because I get this all of the time in working with Sage partners, you know, they're, they're like, no, we get, we get the whole SaaS thing, meaning the software is a service piece because Sage has been involved in, in now implementing those types of systems for a number of years and acquiring intact and and all that. They said, we just don't understand how to, and I thought that do, you know, they said, they say IAAS implementation as a service. Mm -hmm. And I thought that rather funny because if you really think about an implementation is itself a service. So you're really saying is you don't understand to do service as a service is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we struggled with a lot of this here. Here's part of the, the reason for my question to you, I, I think is uh, it's certainly not about what I'd prefer to offer. It's, it's a little bit more about how customers are used to buying things. And I do want to explain because a lot of the things that you and I have spoken about and what you guys have talked about on the show are about consumer subscription models. So we've talked about Porsche, we've talked about Netflix, we've talked about other types of consumer subscriptions. And in that case, we're often talking about a much lower upfront price. So it's much easier if we had to pay uh, you know, a perpetual license for Netflix, it would be hundreds or thousands of dollars and nobody would probably buy it, right? So that is an example of something that just makes sense to buy as a subscription because we're willing to sign up for outbound cash flow to them in return for not having to bear the burden of those upfront costs and other things like that. My customers are global 2000 customers in many cases, or at least typically $500 million and up annual revenue companies. So part of what we're dealing with when we position our offering to those customers is they have a certain way they're used to buying things. And I'm sure the guys at salesforce.com struggled with this 15 years ago because it used to be that when you bought a CRM, you paid hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars for a license and you expected to pay annual maintenance and install it on your servers in your data center. So when Salesforce originally presented their model and said, hey, there is no server to buy and there is no software license to buy, you're just gonna pay for this as a service, I'm sure they dealt with some of the same things that we're dealing with today. What's interesting is that Salesforce really is an example of of a pure SaaS. They offer you software as a service, but that software by itself doesn't actually do a whole lot. 
if you've ever worked with, you know, Salesforce.com and other similar solutions, there are a tremendous amount of upfront implementation services required to get it to work the way you actually need it to work. And then there's ongoing care and feeding of some sort to make sure that uh, it continues to work for your business as your business evolves and things like that. But Salesforce is just selling a subscription to the software. And then they have developed an ecosystem of implementation partners that then go in and provide those additional services. So what's very typical in this day and age, and Ed, I'm sure you're familiar with this at Sage, it's typical to then say, okay, well, how much does the software cost each month or each period? And then what are the implementation services both upfront and ongoing? And what's my list, my menu of options that if I say, hey, I want to make some change in the future, what's that going to cost me per hour, per day, per consultant, you know, whatever the, the uh, unit of measure is. So what we've done in our model is we've actually folded those things into a single subscription. But it's actually making some of our customers' heads spin a little bit. Okay. And I think some of it is good. Uh, I, I had a few meetings this week that I was very excited about because they said, well, what about if we need to make a change? I said, it's included. Well, what if we add another set of lessons? I said, it's included. Well, what if, you know, they continued on throughout the meeting <laughs> and in every case I said, it's included. Mm. So the point, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, is that we are de-risking this scenario for you for the next three years. I'm taking on the burden of worrying about what if you add another application that needs to be trained? What if you add three new lessons, right? I'm taking that on on your behalf. And in return for that, what I'm asking for is a three-year commitment at this price, and I will take that on for you. And what we are doing, instead of throttling our efforts by uh, the total number of lessons or the total number of uh, you know, the duration of each lesson or the things that most learning and development companies would normally charge for. I'm just saying, here's the amount of work I can be working on for you at any given time. The faster you respond to us and get back to us with the answers to the questions that we need to build your training content, the more content that we can get done for you. But the, the amount that I am willing to do is unlimited as long as it never exceeds that throughput at any given time. I, Justin, I think that's brilliant. I mean, this goes back to pricing the relationship not the content, just like Iger said here about, you know, Disney. Um, I, I just love that. And Ed, it, it just, as Justin was talking, it, it blew my mind because when we originally started talking about subscription, you had said, what if, what if Sage were to share the subscription with its channel partners? Mm -hmm. I, that was mind blowing. Yeah. And they could do all the customization. You guys would service the software or, or they would, or, you know, you, develop the software, but your, your revenue stream would be shared, putting the relationship so, in the middle. So I, Ron, I believe that that's one of the next challenges that, that we really have to face. I think our original approach here has been similar to the way Netflix used to handle it with DVDs. You can mm -hmm. watch as many DVDs as you want per year, but how many do you want to have out at a time? It was one, three or five or whatever package you signed up for. But if you watched five in a day and sent five back, you'd get five more the next day and you know, you could keep doing that as many times. So one customer may be able to watch 1500 in a year. The point that they, the way that they throttled it was based on the total number that could be out at any given time. So as we continue to talk through this a little bit, um, what I want to talk about next is then how, when you just talked about with Sage, with the partner community, now the partners are used to making money on those services. That's used to, that, that's what they used to deliver. And the reason for my question to Ed this week is that we're beginning to entertain taking on some partners who are saying, well, where's the piece for us? 
right? What's the service that we're going to offer in conjunction with your SaaS software? And that's what kind of prompted the question of me to Ed is to say, well, where's that separation between my services and my SaaS if what we have built is really an offering that combines the two of those together? So it's making it a little bit challenging now for us to entertain partner conversations because we're saying, you know, we're, where do we divide the work between us? Because yep. my core offering is really all those things together. Awesome. Well, we're up against our break. Justin, can you stay on for at least in a partial of the next segment as well? I sure can. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, I want to remind you to the website is the soul of where you can see previews to upcoming shows as well as get the archive of all of our previous shows that have come before. But right now, a word from our sponsor. future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Class. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. And once again, we are neck deep in the topic of subscription. <laughs> Ron, we, we, we joked about this when we first, uh, first, first was, was talking about this, that, you know, value pricing 2.0, but that, that we're going to ride out our careers on sub- subscription pricing. <laughs> and yeah, I think and that's, I think that's really the case. So. Well, well, Justin's issue here, I think is a great one to, to dive into, but what I just love about it is from the customer's perspective, whether you're B2B or B2C, I mean, he's saying, look, you're covered. If you want this or that modification, we'll do it. And that, from an experience standpoint, what could be better? And, and Justin, I want to bring you back in here and say, it, it, I love how you have put this, this governor on it because it's really completely dependent on them. And even with these large companies that you're working with, they can't move that quickly. They're, they're, there's going to be no situation where they're going to deploy 10 new systems in one month. 
<laughs> it, you, you are exactly right. And listen, we've had, as you can imagine, we've had several debates internally when we decided to go to market with this offering and say the word unlimited to some very large co companies. Uh, it kind of gives you a knot in your chest out of the gate. Uh, with the experience that we have in dealing with these large organizations, though, Ed, to your exact point, they're, they are self-regulated, not in the, the typical sense of regulation, right. but they, they are right. regulated because of their bureaucracy. They can only get so much done internally. And as we've often shared with our customers, we, because we're uh, always smaller than the clients that we serve, we can almost always be more nimble than they can be, Right. So part of the value that we're bringing them is the ability to be flexible. It is the ability for us to say, you don't have to go and get a change order. Let's not spend our time together as partners focused on statements of work and, you know, change orders and purchase orders and all of the other bureaucratic things that get in the way of making progress. Let's mm -hmm. set this engagement in motion for the next few years together. And then let's just focus on delivering the best things that we can deliver to those end users in the field. That's ultimately what we're all trying to get done. All of these other steps along the way are just obstacles to getting to the ultimate result. So if I can take those obstacles out of play and just focus on the deliverables, then I think we can have a more successful relationship together. And it's, it's, been, a, it's been received very interestingly by customers because they're having a hard time comprehending the simplicity. Uh, you know, but, 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 but wait a second. What about this scenario? Well, oh, but I have one. What about that scenario? You know, and so it's, uh, been, it's been refreshing for, for me to deliver the news to say, no, that's covered. Yep. That's covered. Yep. That one too. And yeah. you can, you can kind of see they're struggling to think about like, wait a second, what's the catch? What's so, the catch? Yeah. So there are some things that are excluded. You know, we have found some ways that we think that we can delineate the services in such a way where they say, yeah, you know, it, it makes sense. There'd be no way for you to scope something like that into it. So for example, mm -hmm. we produced videos as part of the training content, but it's a specific type of video where we can control to some extent, you know, what that content's going to uh, take to create and the tools that we need to use and do it and stuff like that. If you want to put an actor on camera, for training videos, well then, you know, all bets are off because do you want to hire somebody famous to be your, you know, on stage, uh, on camera talent or somebody else, right? And that makes right. sense to the customer that that would be an exception. Um, but everything else that kind of makes sense could be included, we have done that. And um, yeah, it's been very, very well received from from the clients that we've talked to. Well, let me get to, to the to to your the part of the question about the the, the partners and how you bring them in. And I, I would say that you, there's it's going to be somewhat of an arbitrary number because mm -hmm. there's there's no way that you can parse out the value. It, it, we we've talked right. about this. The example that that we we always use is when you go to a nice fancy restaurant. If if the the, the chef can be the best in the world, but if a cockroach runs across your table, you're yep. you're done, right? right? So there's there's no there's no way to really parse that out. I would say that one of the things that you might want to do with regard to partners is have two levels with them based on the individual deal and, and based on who, who brings the deal to the table. And I'm just, I'm just making up numbers here. So 15%, if the, if, if the, if you bring the deal to the table, they get cut in for 15% of the subscription. And if they, if they bring the deal to the table, it's 30%. Pretty simple. Yeah, that, that makes sense. What I think is the, uh, the challenge that we'll be facing in the next few conversations that we have about this is are the services, can the services be split out 
from the technology and deliver a consistent and quality result to the customer. Yeah. I believe in. See, and I think the I think the answer is no out of the gate with that, in my opinion. But you know, I don't 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 know enough about it. So part of the history of Salesforce, and I'm not I haven't studied Salesforce closely, but they're kind of the representative example, you know, of of the first big SaaS solution. They actually started the company delivering the professional services required to implement and support their system. Right. And as I understand it, the, the leaders of the company back then also believed that it was imperative to control the quality of the implementation to make sure that they can uh, ensure success for their users and therefore have renewals and, and you know retention. Um, over time, they realized then that to expand to the next level, they would take on partners and they didn't want to find themselves competing with those same partners for services. And so they spun off that services group and have since fostered a massive global ecosystem of, of partners for implementation. Yep. Perhaps the question or, or the answer to this question is that for now, it should stay as a combined subscription where we own the delivery of all of the services and we find a discount rate that's suitable for partners and there's no option for them to actually deliver those services. But over time, as a solution matures and as things become a little bit more predictable on the services front, then we could turn over and almost franchise uh, the services capabilities to other partners. Uh, and let them, you know, then then go implement that. And at that yep. time, we may be a little bit more comfortable about where the delineation is between the value of the software versus the services. But but Ron, bringing you in here on this, it, it, I I think this is the same model that 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 CPA firms ultimately need to adopt. And e even if that means, and I know this is heresy, what I'm about to say, the breakup of these larger firms into different specialty groups that are more loose affiliation. So in other words, we might see what's been the trend over the, over the last, I don't know, 50 years is this, as our friend Tim, Tim Williams likes to say, you know, the full service firm, right? Right. To large firms that do specialize in, for example, this thing like Justin is, it's a very specific uh, te technology uh, niche, right? I, I think that the future of CPA firms might be along these same lines, that, that, that the larger firms are the ones that, that niche around the, these areas of specialization, but then work uh, more as, a, as an affiliation than they do today. So thoughts on that, Ron? Right. No, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's much easier to do what Justin's talking about or what we talk about if you're specialized, right? So I think of my friend that does nothing but dentists he could easily offer a subscription model because he knows what's on the rails of what could happen to a specific dental practice. You know, you could have a, a, a partner breakup, you could have a succession plan, you could have a death, a bank, you know, all these different things. He's seen it all. He knows what's on the rails and going back to pricing the portfolio, you can handle that if you're specialized. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but the thing that the the current firms are all paranoid about is, well, what if all of a sudden they need all of this work? <laughs> exactly, exactly, <laughs> and and you know, even even there, we say, well, you can have carve outs, and even Justin mentioned, you know, there'd be certain carve outs if you want this video with you know Will Smith in it or something. That's not obviously <laughs> going to be included, but boy, I'll tell you, the more specialized you are, the easier it is to stay on those rails because you've seen it all. Yep. Here's the other thing that I think. Uh, we're looking forward to as we bring on more and more clients to this is the throughput conversation is proving to be an excellent one early actually in the sales cycle 
because now we're having that conversation where we say we'll be working on up to five lessons at any given time. If you feel like you have more capacity than that and want to pay more, we'll work on up to 10 lessons at a time, right? So far, I actually haven't even put together pricing for that next option yet because every customer said, oh, no, 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 we could never <laughs> give you more information than five at a time anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like so, you said, Justin, there's a natural governor there. I, I, yeah. you know, we talk about the airlines offering you know, subscription and my limitation there is I can only be on one plane at one time. Right. I can say, you know, fly me to Australia, but I, you know, I can't multiply hop planes. I'm going to get tired. So yes. yeah, yeah. There's a natural and, governor. And so what's happening there too, is we're kind of setting in place and, and Ed, I've probably learned this from you. So I'll just give you the, uh, you know, I'll throw the disclaimer. I probably learned right it from Ron. So that's fine. All right, perfect. <laughs> but you know, from a project management from the project management standpoint, from the moment we're interacting with that customer in the sales cycle, we're already setting expectations about how the project implementation is going to go together. Because now we're talking about, well, what happens when the sixth lesson comes in and the seventh lesson comes in and how do we interact and when are we going to have our weekly meetings or, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So we're actually going through that process of setting expectations and it's kind of all centered back to the packaging. But what we're also doing is we're setting ourselves on a course for you know, success with the customer because we're not waiting until after the customer has signed the deal to begin, you know, setting all those expectations. Great. This is really good stuff, Justin. I really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, we got about a minute left. Is there, is there anything else that you wanted to, to, to get out today in regard, regard to that? No, I think you guys have, uh, have already helped a lot. And I have to say, we, we wouldn't be where we are today with this pricing strategy without having listened to the show and, and read everything that you guys have been, have been producing. So th this community in Verisage has really helped us rethink how we would go about even pricing a solution like this. And for those who are thinking about doing this, I can tell you, we, we just had a meeting with a customer this week where the, we had one of the executives at this client, basically he took over control of the meeting and was telling about 10 colleagues in the room about the value of our offering. He was doing my job for me in the meeting. And it was one of the most rewarding moments I've had where one of our clients is kind of pitching to his peers to say, this is why this deal has so much value to us because they are going to cover all the work that we would otherwise have to do. And we don't have to worry about how we're going to uh, pay for each of those on a transactional basis. And so that was really powerful. And it just reminds, you know, it reminded me in that moment, and I've shared that with the rest of the team, that it, that wasn't even about how we create the content or how many lines of code we have in our software. It wasn't about any of that stuff. It was about how we have taken the risk and inconvenience away from this customer to implement a great solution. And then all the other stuff will kind of fall in behind that. And that was pretty powerful. And I, I thank you guys in this community for uh, educating me enough to even be in a position to offer that stuff. Well, our pleasure, Justin, and thanks for appearing. And when you're ready to launch nationally, you can become a sponsor of the Soul of Enterprise to make it up to us. It. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, and speaking of which, we uh, want to remind you that we do have the Patreon site out there, also the website, the Soul of Enterprise. Uh, also, rate uh, rate this podcast.com slash TSOE to give us some ratings. We do love when we, when you reach out to us and just like Justin, if you've got a question for Ron or myself, we love to do episodes where we involve you in, in the process. So please do that. Ask TSOE at verisage.com. But right now a word from our sponsor and my employer, Sage. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We're tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're talking about subscription pricing. Ed, that was great having Justin on. And I got one more for you. This is out of Sarasota, Florida. How about the concierge? architect Ed. <laughs> all uh, right bring it on all right Schimberg group architects in sarasota florida here's what their website says when appropriate Schimberg group works with the client on a retainer basis with yearly contracts we call it concierge architecture this allows us to be selective about our clients while providing the attention to detail and focus clients warrant and deserve and and this is key we do not overload our office with too much work, but rather expand our services appropriately and according, accordingly to our chosen clients. We find that quality work and services results in more businesses, um, in more business than taking on work just for cash flow purposes. I just love that. This is this is the subscription business model now in architecture. Now in our now coming to architecture. Not for everything, like they said, when appropriate. So they're only mm-hmm. giving this to certain types of clients. But I'm telling you, people are experimenting with this model, and we're going to see it more and more. I do wish they would get get rid of the retainer. I know word that. I think that's a conflating word with subscription. Yep. I just it's a terrible word. Yep, because people have. Uh, a, a preconceived notion, almost like with, you know, price or whatever, or even value of what that means. They, they bring their own baggage to that word. Well, there's, there's no consistency about that word. I, I found. Yeah. There is even I, I, among I, I lawyers. Can, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I I've heard the, the, the people say, well, it's, it's, you know, the balance that you always have to have, and then we bill you by the hour separately, but you always have to maintain a $5,000 retainer with us. Right. Like what? <laughs> right. Yep. 
Yep. No, it's usually eaten away by hours or specific services. And that's not what Mm -hmm. we're talking about. That's no, not a retainer. No. So I wish they would do that. So as, as a result of thinking about this, this week, Ron, my, my, my inner Frank class kicked in again. My dad, God rest his soul and started digging into the, the word insure. Yes. And, and, and I really want to, I really, what I wanted to find is that the words assurance, insurance, and insurance meant different things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And here's what I found is that insurance with the E, all it is, is the archaic form of insurance. Okay. The, 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 the EN is a prefix that was used on, on many French words, borrowed words that came into the English language because that's how the French would say it, insurance, right? Um, right, right. So, so that, that w- was the E. And then over time, it just became the I more from a, uh, because we said, we said in, and the, the great vowel shift, which we don't have to get into, which is fascinating. But beside that, <laughs> uh, so the, 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 but I will say this, the word insurance is still around. Yep. And my, my plan is for us to take it over. Yep. We're going to we're going to resurrect the archaic word of insurance to to be what we mean with, with when it, with regard to subscription. Okay, well let me let me say this Ed um Joe Pine might have beat us to it. Oh, dang because, it. You know, because let I know me there's ex- always somebody smarter than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't get into the etymology of the word, but here uh-huh. here's how he distinguishes between insurance assurance Mm -hmm. and insurance with an e right right he says service and he's talking about it in the context of his hierarchy of value too right so he says services insure with an i and that means secure payment in the event of a loss right just like traditional insurance on your house your car experiences assure with an a and that is secure confidence, encouragement, trust, or feeling of satisfaction, right? Like going to a Disney park, right? You feel mm-hmm. safe. You feel, you know, there's trust there and all of that. And he right. says transformations, the top of the hierarchy of value, insure with an E, that's a secure event, situation, or outcome. Those mm. are his definitions. Okay. Of- those three words and well, I, he's I, making that up, which is good. He but, is. He is. Yeah, he is. So I think you're right. I think we can take over. We can co-op the word insure. Uh, is, is that the name of that drink they give to people in hospitals? Insure. What's that called? Uh, we used to, we used uh, yeah, to serve it at yeah. club Gitmo to the, yeah. <laughs> to the, yeah, and sure, yeah, and sure, yeah, 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 uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. So anyway, but 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 I like that because that's really you know the the like we've talked about this the concierge practices and the even direct primary care we talked with the Plum Healthcare guy about this I forget his name um, Paul Doctor Paul uh, he talked about uh, you know they the last thing they want to be called is insurance um, right companies. Um, and he uses the word assurance to describe plum health because of the regulations. But we need something that, that describes this idea of covering anything that, that is required, right. And pricing the portfolio as long as it's not insurance. So I think insurance is, is a great, uh, great term. Yeah. 
insurance is the way to go. I think that's that that's what we need to do. So we're we're officially co-opting that word. I think yep. that's how we'll that's 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 our strategy. So, but I'm glad you I'm glad you dived into the to the etymology of that and and and, and figured out those three words because they are it yeah. is kind of confusing. Yeah, I, I I mean I like I said I did want to find a real difference, but there's not sadly. Right. Right. <laughs> so. So that's right, but you know, maybe 400 years from now, they can they can say, well, back on the soul of enterprise, the reference to insurance, this is where it became a thing. Oh. Yeah, and we I already, just, I, you know, I go back to this idea that the offering transformations is an integral part of of the subscription business model and focusing on that transformation, um, and and it just puts everything, it, it, the relationship at the heart of everything. Yeah, because in order to transform somebody, I mean, if the customer is the product in the transformation, and they are, because that's what you're changing, uh, then it's it's that is all about the relationship. Yep. What we're really testing here is the marketing BS that professional firms have been putting out for years around. We're going to be your trusted advisor. <laughs> we're calling. We're, we're we're calling them on it. Yeah, we're calling yeah. them. And, and let's see, know, the, it, let's see your cards now on it. Let's yeah. see your cards. Put your money where your mouth is, because if, if an alien were to come down, they'd say you're selling services and, and at worst, you're probably still doing it by the hour. So what are you talking about? Trusted advisor. How can you be a trusted advisor charging people by the hour? Well, and I think I've said this on the show and we're, we're getting close to the, to wrapping up here, but one of the things that, that uh, David Maester points out in his book is that the trusted advisor level requires creative payment terms. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, one of the ways that he says that, you know, that you're a true trusted advisor is when that, that, that kind of thing kicks in. And like I said, I've always associated with the tip clause, but I, I, I think it's different. Right. I, and I think there's other ways to accomplish it. And certainly subscription is, one of the best ways we found so far. So, yeah. Yep. Well, there's going to be more on this. I, I predict that, you know, another, another two or three months, there'll be part four. Oh yeah. <laughs> Probably sooner. Cause we, we just keep getting inundated with uh, stories about this. I mean, it is definitely a hard trend and, and I don't think firms are going to be able to ignore it. We're still on the leading edge with this ed, but it, it, I think this could uh, accelerate at a faster pace than value pricing did. Agreed. Agreed. So what is up next week? Next week is Free Rider Friday, Ron. Come on, you know, 28th of February. We're good. <laughs> Excellent. I will see you in 167 hours. This has been the Soul of Enterprise, Business and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by Sage, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. We'll be doing Free Rider Friday. In the meantime, visit us at thesoulofenterprise.com for full show notes, and you can listen to all 280 prior episodes. Also, you can contact Ed or myself at asktsoe at Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, folks. <laughs>